TED Audio Collective. This TED Talk features director and musician Hans Block and author and director Moritz Reiswijk, recorded live at TEDxCERN 2018. Support comes from Zuckerman Spader. Through nearly five decades of taking on high-stakes legal matters, Zuckerman Spader is recognized nationally as a premier litigation and investigations firm. Their lawyers routinely represent individuals, organizations, and law firms in business disputes, government, and internal investigations, and at trial, when the lawyer you choose matters most. Online at Zuckerman.com. Support for TED Talks Daily comes from Capital One Bank. With no fees or minimums, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than deciding to listen to another episode of your favorite podcast. And with no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. On March 23, 2013, users worldwide discovered in their newsfeed a video of a young girl being raped by an older man. Before this video was removed from Facebook, it was already shared 16,000 times, and it was even liked 4,000 times. This video went viral and infected the net. And that was the moment we asked ourselves, how could something like this get on Facebook? And at the same time, why doesn't we see such content more often? After all, there's a lot of revolting material online, but why do we so rarely see such crap on Facebook, Twitter, or Google? While image recognition software can identify the outlines of sexual organs, blood, or naked skin in images and videos, it has immense difficulties to distinguish pornographic content from holiday pictures, Adonis statues or breast cancer screening campaigns. It can't distinguish Romeo and Juliet dying on stage from a real knife attack. It can't distinguish satire from propaganda or irony from hatred, and so on and so forth. Therefore, humans are needed to decide which of the suspicious content should be deleted and which should remain. Humans whom we know almost nothing, because they work in secret. They sign non-disclosure agreements, which prohibit them from talking and sharing what they see on the screens and what this work does to them. They are forced to use code words in order to hide who they work for. They are monitored by private security firms in order to ensure that they don't talk to journalists. And they are threatened by fines in case they speak. All of this sounds like a weird crime story, but it's true. These people exist, and they are called content moderators. We are the directors of the feature documentary film The Cleaners, and we would like to take you to a world that many of you may not know yet. The so-called content moderators don't get their paychecks from Facebook, Twitter or Google themselves, 
but by outsourcing firms around the world in order to keep the wages low. Tens of thousands of young people looking at everything we are not supposed to see. And we are talking about decapitations, mutilations, executions, necrophilia, torture, child abuse. Thousands of images in one shift, ignore, delete, day and night. And much of this work is done in Manila, where the analog toxic waste from the Western world was transported for years by container ships. Now the digital waste is dumped there via fiber optic cable. And just as the so-called scavengers rummage through gigantic tips on the edge of the city, the content moderator clicked their way through an endless toxic ocean of images and videos and all manner of intellectual garbage so that we don't have to look at it. But unlike the wounds of the scavengers, those of the content moderators remain invisible. Full of shocking and disturbing content, these pictures and videos burrow into their memories, where at any time they can have unpredictable effects. Eating disorders, loss of libido, anxiety disorders, alcoholism, depression, which can even lead to suicide. The pictures and videos infect them and often never let them go again. If they are unlucky, they develop post-traumatic stress disorders, like soldiers after war missions. In our film, we tell the story of a young man who had to monitor live streams of self-mutilations and suicide attempts again and again, and who eventually committed suicide himself. It's not an isolated case, as we've been told. This is the price all of us pay for our so-called clean and safe and healthy environments on social media. Never before in the history of mankind has it been easier to reach millions of people around the globe in a few seconds. What is posted on social media spreads so quickly becomes viral and excites the minds of people all around the globe. Before it is deleted, it is often already too late. Millions of people have already been infected with hatred and anger, and they either become active online by spreading or amplifying hatred, or they take to the streets and take up arms. And therefore, an army of content moderators sit in front of a screen to avoid a new collateral damage. And they are deciding as soon as possible whether the content stays on the platform, ignore, or disappears, delete. But not every decision is as clear as the decision about a child abuse video. What about controversial content, ambivalent content uploaded by civil rights activists or citizen journalists? The content moderators often decide on such cases at the same speed than on clear cases. People armed with their mobile phones can make visible what journalists often do not have access to. Civil rights groups often do not have any better option to quickly make their recordings accessible to a large audience than by uploading them to social media. Wasn't this the empowering potential the World Wide Web should have? Weren't these the dreams people in its early stages had about the World Wide Web? Can't pictures and videos like these persuade people who have become insensitive to facts to rethink? But instead, everything what might be disturbing is deleted. 
And there's a general shift in society. Media, for example, more and more often use trigger warnings at the top of articles, which some people may perceive as offensive or troubling. Or more and more students at university in the United States demand the banishment of anti-classics, which depict sexual violence or assault from the curriculum. But how far should we go with that? Physical integrity is guaranteed as a human right in constitutions worldwide. In the Charter of Fundamental Rights of the European Union, this right expressly applies to mental integrity. But even if the potentially traumatic effect of images and video is hard to predict, do we want to become so cautious that we risk to lose social awareness of injustice? So what to do? Mark Zuckerberg recently stated that in the future, the users, we, or almost everybody, um, will decide individually what they would like to see on the platform by personal filter settings. So everyone could easily claim to remain undisturbed by images of war or other violent conflicts, like... Uh, uh, I'm the type of guy who doesn't mind seeing breasts um, and uh, I'm very interested in global warming, um, but I don't like wars so much. Yeah, I'm more the opposite. Uh, I have zero interest in naked breasts or naked bodies at all. But why not guns? I like guns, yes. Come on. If we don't share a similar social consciousness, how should we discuss social problems? How shall we call people to action? Even more isolated bubbles would emerge. One of the central questions is how in future freedom of expression will be weighed against the people's need for protection. It's a matter of principle. Do we want to design an either open or closed society for the digital space? At the heart of the matter is freedom versus security. Facebook has always wanted to be a healthy platform. Above all, users should feel safe and secure. It's the same choice of words the content moderators in the Philippines used in a lot of our interviews. For the young content moderators in the strictly Catholic Philippines, this is linked to a Christian mission to counter the sins of the world which spread across the web. Cleanliness is next to godliness, is a saying everybody in the Philippines knows. And others motivate themselves by comparing themselves with their president, Rodrigo Duterte. He has been ruling the Philippines since 2016, and he won the election with a promise, I will clean up. And what that means is eliminating all kinds of problems by literally killing people on the streets who are supposed to be criminal, whatever that means. And since he was elected, an estimated 20,000 people have been killed. And one moderator in our film says, what Duterte does on the streets, I do for the internet. And here they are, our self-proclaimed superheroes, who enforce law and order in our digital world. They clean up, they polish everything clean, they free us from everything evil. Tasks formerly reserved to state authorities have been taken over by college graduates in their early 20s, equipped with a three- to five-day training, this is the qualification, who work on nothing less than the world's rescue. National sovereignties have been outsourced to private companies, and they pass on their responsibilities to third parties, 
It's an outsourcing of the outsourcing of the outsourcing which takes place. With social networks, we are dealing with a completely new infrastructure with its own mechanisms, its own logic of action, and therefore also its own new dangers, which have not yet existed in a pre-digitalized public sphere. When Mark Zuckerberg was at the US Congress or at the European Parliament, he was confronted with all kinds of critics. And his reaction was always the same. We will fix that. And I will follow up on that with my team. But such a debate shouldn't be held in back rooms of Facebook, Twitter or Google. Such a debate should be openly discussed in new cosmopolitan parliaments, in new institutions that reflects the diversity of people contributing to an utopian project of a global network. And while it may seem impossible to consider the values of users worldwide, it's worth believing that there's more that connects us and separates us. Yeah, at a time when populism is gaining strength, it becomes popular to just fight the symptoms, to eradicate them, to make them invisible. This ideology is spreading worldwide, analog as well as digital. And it's our duty to stop it before it's too late. The question of freedom and democracy must not only have these two options. Delete or ignore. Thank you very much. For more TED Talks, go to TED.com. Support for TED Talks Daily comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash TED Talks. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash TED Talks. Odoo, modern management made simple.